Good to see you this morning. We're going to be at 1 Corinthians 13, as was just read. What do we think about whenever we think about love? It's not the time, it's the time of year, I guess, to discuss this, but, you know, Valentine's Day is right. That's the perfect time to discuss this. But what do you think about whenever you think about love? You think about a feeling? Uh, do you think about your friends, your family that you're closest to? Um, your wife, your grandchildren, your mom and dad? Um, is it something that you romanticize about? Are you, are you thinking about it romantically from all the songs that you've heard that are just tremendous love songs, from, from the movies you've watched, the, the, the beautiful uh, comedy, romantic comedies, or uh, whatever it is where it shows and displays people who are in love with each other? Is that what you think about whenever you think about love? Our society has been trying to teach us about love through all these things and showing us love in all these different ways. Uh, and as we, as we look at that and we see that and then we experience the things that they talk about, uh, hopefully you're like me and you feel like something's a little bit off about that. Something's a little bit missing. And then we approach God's Word, uh, where we're going to be studying from today, and we see that love is way bigger than anything that the world describes to us, that it's way deeper uh, than anything that, uh, that is felt, that it is something that is, uh, that is something that we do. It's something that we show to one another whenever we don't feel like it. Um, and love, in, in some ways, is able to take us higher than we ever imagined uh, whenever others around us show us the kind of love that we're going to talk about today. This is not a text that you don't know, uh, not revealing any new information to you this morning. But I wonder if it's a text you've spent enough time considering. Uh, it's been good and, and a little bit painful to dwell on the words of this chapter. For many years, I've, I've looked at this chapter and I've said, I don't, I, I don't think anybody has love <laughs> in the way that this is described. And maybe you feel the same way. Uh, but I hope that as we study together, you'll feel motivated to grow closer to the love that's being described here. This is the love that God has for us. And I appreciate Austin choosing the songs that he chose and us all singing together and reminding one another about the, the, the love that God has for us. God is love. He is the illustration of this text. He's the perfect example explaining it. Jesus is love. And so, really, we could just study the life of Jesus and get the same information. But Paul so succinctly puts together what love is. And I'm excited to study this with you. As the body of Christ, we're held together by love. We need love for one another. And if that love is absent, then the body can't function, it can't operate. But when love is present, there's not much this body can't accomplish. And that's what I've enjoyed about being here, is that there is a lot of love in, in a lot of people that are in this congregation. And it lifts you up, and it builds you up, and it motivates you. So, so as we study this, we're going to see all that. We're going to see and understand maybe a little bit more about love. If you're struggling to love people around you, uh, maybe you'll see and understand where you're falling short, and maybe we can all grow together. But as we start in chapter 13, it's a really long introduction, but as we start in chapter 13, 
Notice where Paul starts. We talked about this at the end of last week's sermon, but let's talk about it again. Verse 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul has been talking about spiritual gifts and, and the value of all these different spiritual gifts and how we can have the wrong mindset about our gifts. We could think that we don't have that gift, so therefore we don't belong. Or we could think, I've got the greatest gift and I don't need any of you. Okay, And so all of that is, is wrong and broken. But as he comes into chapter 13, he's helping us understand that all those gifts and all those abilities that, that we have that are given to us by God, that are intended to be used to bring about the glorification of God in the body of Christ, all of those gifts are meaningless if there's no love. Paul starts the discussion about love, which I think is central to all of his discussion about uh, the church at Corinth and the, the way that they're supposed to interact with each other. I think this is the central point that he's getting at. He starts it by helping them understand that if you don't have love, it doesn't matter what you do. And we read speaking in tongues and we're just like, okay, well, uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe not, not you, but something in my mind just mentally clicks and says, oh, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> But consider the words here. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Okay. The ability to speak in tongues was the ability to speak in languages you hadn't learned. Okay. But he says, if I can speak in the, the language of angels. If I can speak what angels speak. If I'm given that ability. Can you imagine how beautiful the angelic tongue would be? But I don't have love. I'm nothing. You see how he's telling us it doesn't matter how good we sound or how profound we are in our speech, how captivating we are to the audience. If I don't have any love, then I'm just making noise. <laughs> Maybe it's a beautiful noise, but it doesn't accomplish anything. It's a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. It doesn't have any real lasting value. If I teach and preach... Without love, my lessons are not going to benefit me. My work is not going to benefit me in any way. And in fact, it may not benefit any of you unless God wants to use it. God can use pretty messed up people to accomplish his will we see throughout Scripture. But what this tells us is it doesn't matter how eloquent your speech is. It doesn't matter how beautiful you sound. If you don't have love... And all of that means nothing. Then he talks about prophecy. Again, click, right? <laughs> if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Notice the words here, prophetic powers, is connected to this understanding of all the mysteries. 
the prophets would have the understanding of the will of God. And, and you can imagine how invigorating it would be for God to help enlighten you to the truth in the first century when they did not have their New Testaments. And yet Paul says, if I've got all that given to me in a gift packaged from God, and I am sharing that wonderful insight and intellect with other people, and I don't have love, it doesn't matter. I could fill the whole congregation with knowledge and wisdom and understanding, but if I don't have love, all of that working is meaningless. All of that working gains me no reward has to be based on love. All of it is meaningless without love. And so he starts off a discussion with love by saying, it doesn't matter how good you are at whatever gift you have. It doesn't matter. And we've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. What gift has God given you? Well, do you have love as you're using the gift? That's what's significant. That's what has value. Then he goes even further, and this one is a real brain bender. If I give away all that I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What? <laughs> I mean, some, it's got to count, right? I mean, it's got to count. You give your body to be burned? says even that great sacrifice doesn't count. Doesn't something inside of you want to go against that whole notion, that whole idea? Something inside of me wants to think and believe that if I give everything, it don't really matter if I got love or not. Or, or maybe I would think, well, if I, if I give everything, then obviously I've got love. Why else would I do it? <laughs> Why else would I give my body to be burned if I didn't have love? Obviously, I have love. It's in the act. It's just right there embedded, you know? But apparently not. Apparently, we can offer the greatest sacrifice we could possibly offer and do it without love. Well, who would do that? And why would, why would anybody do that? What are they thinking? Maybe... We do that because we want approval, we want recognition, we want to be looked at as great. Think about uh, Ananias and Sapphira who sell a piece of land and they hold back some for themselves and their, their hearts weren't right. They weren't giving because of love and maybe... Maybe connected with that was a sense of duty. Maybe they felt as though it was their duty as a Christian. Everybody else had given something, so I guess we got to sell this. And so we just sold it, and we give this much. But we really didn't want to sell it to begin with, so we're going to hold some of it back. So we might sacrifice thinking that this is going to make other people happy. We might sacrifice thinking that this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what uh, everybody else is doing. And we might feel obligated to do this. Or maybe we're trying to make ourselves feel fulfilled. Or maybe we're trying to redeem ourselves for all the evils that we've done in the past. And so we just sacrifice ourselves. Or maybe it's something even smaller. We just have such a strong commitment to the cause that we're going to sacrifice ourselves and lay down our lives. 
but we don't want to do it. And we don't really love people enough to do it for them. Some way, somehow, we have given everything away to serve ourselves. I mean, that to me is a brain bender. That to me is something that I'm just like, wow, who would ever do that? But have you ever done that? Have you ever made some grand gesture, done some great thing in an attempt to make yourself feel better? Maybe it hurts you physically. Maybe it hurts you financially. But in the end, was your goal about you? Or was it about other people? Was it about loving others? So Paul starts with this description of love, uh, of what it's not. And what, what, what we might assume is love is the person who has all of these abilities and the person who gives everything. And Paul says, no, you can, do, you can have all these abilities, you can give everything and not have any love at all inside of you. And so what that should do for us is to help us start thinking a little bit deeper about what it is that we feel. What is our internal motivation? What is our internal desire for everything we do? And we should be willing to question that motivation. We shouldn't just assume that it's right or that it's where it should be. Because what God desires is for there to be love as the central reason for everything we do. It can't be an addition to the things we do. It can't be, oh yeah, I'm doing all these things for these reasons. Oh yeah, and I love people. It can't just be a part of what we do. It has to be the central reason. Everything we do must come out of the true love that we feel in our hearts for one another and for God. Well, that's a tall order. How do we demonstrate love? How do we know that we have love in our hearts as we're preparing to do whatever work that it is we're doing? I mean, we could probably beat ourselves up and say, well, I don't think this is going to do anything for me because I don't know that I have any love for anybody. Well, maybe you don't. And that should scare us, right? It scares me. <laughs> Do I have love in my heart for all of you as I weekly prepare my sermons? Is that the motivation that's driving me to work and to get all these things done? Well, it has to be. And so if it's not, then I need to work on myself. I need to make sure that I have love in my heart. Now, what is love then? I need to make sure I got it. Let me understand it better. Let me pursue love instead of just assuming that I have it within me. Okay, Paul's going to help us with that. He tells us what love is. He says, love is patient and kind. Let's pause there and think about that for just a second. Love is patient and kind. Now, if I had everybody raise your hand, who here is patient? Um, maybe a few of us would raise our hand and we'd be sincere and we are very patient people. But I imagine a lot of us would struggle with this idea of patience. The idea that we're going to wait <laughs> We don't like to wait, and our culture is training us not to wait, right? But we're supposed to be patient. 
That means allowing other people time to process information if we're trying to tell them something. That means allowing other people time to work out their issues if they've got issues. That means listening to people instead of always telling people. But listening and patiently waiting and and seeking to show them courtesy and kindness is connected to this. To show them love is to show them some level of patience as everyone around us has weaknesses. Nobody is at the same level of spiritual maturity and all of us are in need of somebody's patience. And if I'm going to show love, then I have to have patience within me. I have to have a willingness to be kind whenever I am frustrated inside. (laughs) Because I just don't understand why this person is the way that they are. But I have to be patient with them anyway. Because that's, that's what love does. It's patient and it's kind toward their children toward their spouse, toward their parents, toward their neighbor. That's what love looks like. So if I want to have love in everything that I do as I'm preparing to do my gift, whatever that gift is, I need to have patience and I need to do it with kindness. That's love. And so whatever my plans are, they need to include having patience and kindness. Then it says, Love does not envy or boast. And this one says, uh, it is not arrogant or rude. This, uh, the, the NIV said it is not proud. I felt like that was a good way of just summarizing it. Um, love is not proud. Love is not envious or boastful. It's not always striving to be the greatest, to be the best, to be seen as the most wonderful. And so... If this is giving us not a description of what love is, but if if these things are present in us, then love is absent in us. This is our warning signs in the works that we're doing, whatever it is. If we're envious of other people, if we're boasting about our accomplishments, or we have some level of pride that that would state boldly that we are the greatest, or even think that we're the greatest, and whatever it is that we're doing, then there's perhaps an absence of love within us. That we're doing these things not because we love people, but because we want to serve ourselves. And going back to the first three verses, that means that our gifts and our work is meaningless. It's of no value. And so we need to be careful about this. Understanding that it's not about me. (laughs) Whatever my gift is, whatever God has given me the ability to do, it's not about me. It's about serving you, and it's about God working through me to accomplish whatever he can accomplish in my life. And, and the more we think it's about us, the less love that is within us. We need to understand that. This, pride is one of those things that Satan really deceives us on and makes us think, it's okay to be proud. It's a, you, you, you worked hard. You're great. You're awesome. And, and they, des, they should respect you and they should think much of you. But really, that's not loving toward other people. Uh, that's removing our love. Also, it says love does not dishonor. It's not self-seeking. 
uh, it's not easily angered or keeping a record of wrongs. Uh, this is like a long list of, of things that are very similar to the previous, but kind of just the result of the previous. If you're proud and arrogant, then you're going to be dishonoring other people. And that's not what you do if you love people. You don't dishonor them. You don't belittle them. You don't criticize them and try to shame them and make them look bad. That's not your goal. That's not your mission, right? Our goal is to lift people up. And so it's, it's not, love is not easily angered with people. It doesn't get quickly frustrated uh, about the mistakes of other people or the oversights or the missteps that people make. Sometimes people say things they shouldn't say. And if, if we're honest, we have said things we shouldn't have said. We have done things we shouldn't have done. And we desire for people to be patient with us and kind toward us, even in our mistakes. And so as we exhibit this uh, pride and arrogance and we dishonor people and we're, we're angry toward people, we're not showing love. And, and it's interesting, it kind of gives us two ends of the spectrum. Those who are quick to be angry and those who hold on to the things that others are do, have done wrong. Those who are not willing to forgive and show patience and grace toward other people. Love is willing to forgive. Because love is not self-seeking. It's not trying to get the best of other people. It's not trying to become the greatest or to enjoy all of the, the glory for itself. That's not what love is. And he says, love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Now, as we think about that, there's a number of ways we could take that. But understand that those who love others aren't excited whenever others fall. If you've got an enemy or somebody who's been working and fighting against you, uh, if you love them, you don't want them to be punished. You don't want them to suffer. You want them to understand the truth, to make a change in their life. And to be forgiven. If you love them, that's what you want. And you know how I know that's what love really is? Because that's exactly what God has shown to us. He loved us enough to give his son so that we didn't have to suffer for the wrongs that we've done. And so if we love people, we're going to carry the love of God with us. And we're going to show it to, to others. We're going to desire for them to be saved, for them to see the truth and come to the knowledge of that truth. And when they do and they change, we're going to rejoice. And maybe they stole money from us that they can't pay us back. Or maybe they did something against us that we're not going to be able to inflict the same pain that they've caused us. But we love them, and so we're okay with that. And he says this, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. NIV says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love is this beautiful picture of care and concern for others and desiring what's best for others. It's, it's a picture of an optimistic attitude towards someone else. Notice it, trusts, always trusts, believes all things, always trusts. That's telling me it always believes that the person who's speaking to you is honest in what they're saying, that they're heartfelt, that they're sincere, 
Now, I don't know about you, but in our world, that's kind of hard to do, right? I mean, somebody betrays my trust. I don't want to trust them again. But if we love them, we will. If we love them, we're, we're not going to have the critical and harsh mindset toward them. We're going to have an optimistic mindset toward them. We're going we're gonna to believe in them and believe that they can change and believe that they're going to be good. Now, we're going to use some wisdom in that, obviously, and, and prevent, you know, cat catastrophic occurrences from happening. But overall, our goal is to love them. And if we're going to love them, we have to trust them. We have to believe in them. Now, I know that's hard. I've heard it said by a, a guy that recently sold me a car. Ain't no church like church hurt. Ain't no hurt like church hurt. I'm going to say it the way he said it. Ain't no hurt like church hurt. Um, and he's been through some pretty awful instances in his life of some very evil, evil men Okay, uh, that have affected his family. So, But he's still trying to be faithful to God. He's still working on trusting people. And we all have faced similar kind of sufferings and issues with church family. Okay, But God calls us to love. He calls us to trust one another, to believe in each other, to hope in each other, to hope that we are going to grow out of the immaturities and the failures that we've had. And he calls us to persevere or to endure whatever it is that comes our way. There's a lot of people who have chosen not to endure. I know that even in this congregation, there are people who have, have been hurt and they've walked away. But love demands that we push through the difficulties. That we, we, we forgive and we give people an opportunity to make things right, to make things better. That's what love demands. And if God had, had given up on us, then where would we be? But we know he hasn't. He doesn't. And so we continue to strive to please him. And we strive to develop this kind of love inside of us so that we can become what God ultimately desires for us to be. He ends with uh, love never fails uh, or love never ends. It's at the very beginning of verse 8. And this is just telling us that the love that is shown here that is revealed to us in all of this is not going to give some kind of a limit or a boundary uh, about the love, but it is a love that will endure everything that is thrown at it, that will, will cut through everything. It's the love that maybe we have for our children, and he's calling for us to have that with our church family. We would unconditionally love our children. We'd say, you get older, uh, I may not like you, but I'll still love you because you're my kid. <laughs> Well, we need to have that kind of love toward one another as well. That we're going to keep loving no matter what. No matter what. And sometimes love calls for us to do really hard things. But overall, uh, what, what Paul is describing for us is it's, it's, it's a call to be a fortress for other people. To, to provide a place for them to enjoy peace and rest in times of trouble. To be a consistent source of of rejuvenation, of restoration, of life, of building up and strengthening others. Can you imagine a world where everyone had this kind of love? Can you imagine what that would be like? 
Imagine all of us have friends or family members who've hurt us, who've shown something completely different than this kind of love. Imagine we ourselves have shown something different than this kind of love. Imagine if all of a sudden we were all just miraculously given this ability forced upon us that we could have this kind of love. How much better of a society would this be? Imagine if you had this ability to love. That you could love as this is describing. With this patience and kindness. Uh, free from any kind of pride. Of, uh, of insisting on your own way. Or being overly irritable. Or uh, holding on to, to the wrongs of other people. It's just you don't care about that. You just embrace. You love. You trust. You hope in people. You build them up. Do you know anybody? Have you, have you met anybody who has, who has personified this love? Why can't you? And, and what would that look like? What would need to change in your life for you to personify this love? How could we get there? Okay, you're not there, maybe. How could we get there? How could we have that kind of love inside of us? We need to see the love of God. We need to see it over and over and over again. We need to see it on a weekly basis. As we come together and we partake of the Lord's Supper, we see that love. We need to be here for the Lord's Supper. We need to be focused on the Lord's Supper. Focused on the, the remembrance of Jesus. That's why he gave us the Lord's Supper. So that we could remember his love for us. Greg said it. He didn't do it for himself. That wasn't his motivation. He had no real you know, self-seeking in this. He did it for all of us. Uh, Austin said it in the songs. Why would he do this? I cannot give an answer. Well, the only answer is love. It doesn't make sense, but it's love. He showered us with love. And so if we want to develop the love of God, we have to be reminded of the love of God. And we have to remember we're called to it. Not to just enjoy it, but to live it out. We're called to it. Also, he gives us more motivation as we keep reading. It says, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be fully, I shall then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Notice as he's, as he's talking about love, he goes to talk about prophecies in tongues again. Like, why are we talking about all this again? Click, right? <laughs> I don't know, what was this? Well, what he's telling us is, all these prophecies and tongues won't last forever. All of these gifts 
whatever the gift is that we have, it won't last forever. Everything's temporary. And if our minds are focused on the gifts, our minds are focused on the temporary, which throughout the New Testament, God is trying to remind us not to do that. <laughs> Don't think about the temporary. Don't think about the things surface level. Think deeper. Think about the more meaningful things. Think about the heart. And Paul is saying, love is eternal. Don't focus on these vain abilities. Focus on growing in love. That's your focus. The, the abilities will grow and become a prominent part of our lives if our focus is loving others. If we make that the central purpose of our lives, then it's just going to come natural to us to use whatever gifts or abilities we have to serve other people. I mean, it's just going to be an outpouring of love at that point, and that's what God is trying to get us to do. That's what Paul is trying to get us to understand, that love is the higher pursuit. Love is what has eternal value. Love lasts forever. If you pursue love in your life, it will give you an eternal reward, guaranteed. It's more valuable than learning any of these gifts. You learn the gifts out of love, then there's great value in that. But if you focus yourself on the gift, it might turn out empty and vain. So in this, we have a huge encouragement to love other people. It's not an easy thing to love other people, right? This is, this is one of the greatest challenges of your life. I'll never forget um, whenever I was first attuning myself to my struggle to love other people. It's funny how whenever you're younger, you know, you don't even think about these things. And all of a sudden you read a passage, it's like, oh, wow, I really am terrible at loving other people. Sermon on the Mount is, is the one that really hit me with that. And then I, I said a prayer at a lunch or something over uh, my in-law's house. And I said, uh, Lord, help us to love each other. And then afterward, um, it was just, everybody's like, is that, are we struggling to love each other? And I was just like, well, hi, I, mean, I didn't know how to, I, I thought that was a good thing to pray for. I thought everybody maybe was struggling with what I'm struggling with. But, I mean, it's, we need to pray for that. Love is a challenge. It really is. It's not super easy to love all of you. <laughs> I mean, it's not. And it's not super easy to love me. Okay? There are times whenever you won't want to. Because I'll say or do something that is not quite right. Sorry. It's the greatest challenge that we'll ever face but it's the most worthwhile. You could, you could bottle up Jesus' mission in that one word. He came to show us what love really is. So that we could personify it and show it to other people. God is love. And we're supposed to be as well. So if we're going to apply this to ourselves, we have to see God is calling us to cultivate true love like he's demonstrated for us on the cross. And so in my life, I need to see where love is absent in whatever it is that I'm doing. And I need to work on it. I need to address it. You're not going to be there tomorrow. 
okay? You're going to fall short. I'm, hit, I'm, I'm preparing this lesson all week, and it seems like a terrible week for this lesson, I'll tell you. Losing my patience left and right. <laughs> and I'm praying, Lord, help me be patient, and he's helping. But it's not, it's not an easy thing. You have to see your absence of love in all that you do. And we have to be careful that we don't, have the, we don't let the distorted view of love that the world tries to feed us, we don't let it back in. Okay? This is truly love. And this is what we're called for. Go back to this text. Memorize this text. Know love and learn how to demonstrate love to your spouse, to your children, to everyone who's around you. Because Paul is trying to get us to think about love not as a feeling, but as a daily choice that we make to think a certain way, to speak a certain way, and to do certain things. And all of those things are hard. Sometimes it'll come easy to us, but sometimes it's going to be really hard to be patient with people, to bear with them, to trust them. We've talked about some of, some of these things. It's just going to be hard. And love is choosing to do what's hard because you care about them and you want what's best for them. You want, you want to rejoice in their change and their transformation, them becoming what they ought to be. You're not going to revel in their fall. You're looking for the glory of everyone. And that's what we need to be committed to. And so I hope that as you're, as you're hearing this lesson, you're just being reminded of these things, but I hope that they're hitting you on a deeper level and helping you to understand that your mission is greater than going to work every day and coming home and enjoying your hobbies. Your mission is harder than anything else on this earth. But it has the greatest value, has eternal value. And so when this life is over and we're called home, the question won't be how many wonderful works did you accomplish in your life. The question will be, did you love like I loved you? And the answer needs to be yes. And the evidence needs to be seen in the way we lived, in the things we did in the words we said, in the way we thought. That should be our evidence. If you're here today and you're not a child of God and you've not received the grace that God so bountifully offers to everyone who exists on the earth, why haven't you accepted His grace? Why haven't you received His love and made it a part of your life and let it transform you so that you can be a, a, a glaring image for everybody to understand the love of God? That's the light that we're supposed to shine in this world. Are you shining it? Are you a part of it? And if you're not, can we help you in some way? Please let us know as we, as we stand and as we sing.